Come on, I wonder all over this place if we could just lift our hands, lift our voices, and just begin to tell Jesus, I'm not turning back now. Come what may, I'm going to make it all the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you would just grab your Bibles and remain standing just another moment, we're going to get right to the Word. And what a beautiful, beautiful, sweet presence of the Lord. I, I want you to mark this moment. I want you to mark what everything that just happened to you personally, to what you know happened to others. Because in just a minute, you're going to see why this was significant today and why you're in a spirit-filled church where things aren't orchestrated, choreographed, planned. Oh, we've got a, an order of service. We've got a list of songs we're going to sing. We, we do have some element of planning that goes into it, but <clears throat> we can't heal anybody. We can't save anybody. We can't deliver anybody. We can't reconcile a marriage. We can't restore someone. But God does all those things and those things are happening here today I'm going to take you to the book of Genesis first book of the Bible and the first chapter chapter 1 and then we're going to read a couple verses from chapter 2 real easy today Genesis 1 26 and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And a second time, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Drop down to chapter 2, verse 8, please. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And on this Father's Day for just a few minutes, I want to preach to you this thought. God's purpose for men. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this is your church and not mine. 
You and your word alone saves, delivers, and heals because you know every need and struggle and issue and thing. So your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. And so now on the authority of your word, I bind every spirit of hindrance and I loose your peace to fill this place. Without you, we are nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and your power. Confirm your words with uh, signs following in Jesus' name. Let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh, saying only what you want to say and nothing more or less in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. First, let me say to all of our dads, happy Father's Day. And I want to say to all men, even if you're not a dad, thank you for leading yourself And if you do have a family or you do have others around you that you're a mentor to, thank you for leading those in righteousness. To those who have lost a father, thank you for still loving and serving and carrying on that torch and although the memory and maybe even the pain of that loss might linger with you, I recognize that today and I speak to you today that God is your peace and comfort. Amen? You know, I love living on purpose for God. In other words, I enjoy being intentional with my walk with God. I didn't wake up this morning and go, oh man, it's Sunday. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, hmm, let me think here. <laughs> no, I, I, I woke up with purpose, with intent. I, I do my best to pattern my life after men like Daniel, who the Bible says purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I do my best to be a compassionate man like Boaz, who instructed workers to leave handfuls on purpose for Ruth and others to glean. I'm grateful for God's eternal purpose to bring salvation to all who repent and are born again. I, I desire to be a man like the Apostle Paul, who was transparent with others about his doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, etc., You see, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So live for God's purpose every day on purpose. That's the kind of man I want to be. And so today, I'm honored on this Father's Day to preach to you God's purpose for men. And from our text today, the first purpose that I want to draw out for men, and by the way, this is for ladies too, is that... God wants us to have dominion. In fact, in verse um, 26, thank you, 26, notice it says, let them have dominion. It's not just Adam. It's not just Eve. But them implying all men. God's purpose was that all men and all women would have dominion. However, Adam had an identity crisis. You see, when the serpent tempted Eve and said, if you eat this, you'll be just like God, they forgot this verse, that they were already made in the likeness and in the image of God. Furthermore, I have a problem with Adam not standing up and saying, hold on just a minute, Eve, and look at the serpent and say, shut your mouth, serpent. Don't you talk to my wife that way. Well, amen. You see, their choice caused them to 
abdicate dominion that God desired for them to have and to operate in. So to remedy this sin problem, the incorruptible God became corruptible flesh so that He could restore dominion on earth. Everyone who is born is born of the corruptible nature of the first Adam. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. But those who are born again, 1 Corinthians 15, 49 tells us, we are restored to the incorruptible nature of the last Adam. I have the DNA of Michael Powell in me because that is my biological father or was, he's passed on. But I have the spiritual DNA of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. And because I have that DNA, this body might wither away. This body might be laid in a grave. But this spirit is going to live forever with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And so... Jesus Christ, God manifested the flesh, came to restore our dominion and our authority. Thus the new birth gives us that, that access to both see, John 3, 3, and enter, John 3, 5, the kingdom both now and eternally. You see, as people of all walk of life begin to observe Jesus, you can read it in the Gospels. They begin to say things like, his word is with power. He, he doesn't preach and teach like the scribes. And his word is different. And, and they observed him doing dominion-like things. For example, casting out devils and they had to flee. Walking on water. Right? All the laws of physics didn't apply. Calling dead back to life. Healing lame and broken bones and bodies. So much so that people like Capernaum were so amazed and astonished with his word and so in tune with his word that the Bible says and everyone was healed and all the demons were cast out. His, his words were so powerful that at his word blind eyes would open. Un Deaf ears would unstop and the mute would speak and the lame would leap and Jesus would take a boy's lunch and feed 5,000 men plus women and children and then have leftovers. That would be nice for our grocery budgets, wouldn't it? Wow. He repeatedly proved his exercise, of his, or his power rather, amen, to bring peace and to bring comfort to those who believed in him. And Jesus came to restore dominion to humanity through the new birth. You're not just born again to claim that you're saved. You're born again to operate in authority. When you realize that the Bible says in Psalm 15, 16, that the earth is given to you and you operate in that dominion, then you might understand better what Jesus meant when he said to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's more than a prayer and it's more than a manner to how to pray. It's God's purpose that his kingdom that is in heaven already established would also be here on earth. Oh, I wish you would hear what I'm saying for just a minute here. When you walk into the grocery store, amen, you're not just another person going to buy groceries. When you fuel up your gas, pulling in uh, to the gas pump, you're not just another customer getting gas. When you walk into your apartment complex or your neighborhood, you're walking with an authority and a dominion that comes from the new birth. 
You know what needs to start happening? We need to start believing that so much so that our neighbors will say to us, something's different about you. That people will start recognizing it and ask for prayer. Come on. We walk in authority. We walk in dominion. Hallelujah. It's more than a prayer to pray. It's more than something to repeat. It's more than a verse to read. It is a purpose to fulfill. Hallelujah. That is why Jesus, after he commissioned his apostles, he sent them out. He said, go heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out devils. And freely you've received, freely give. What was he doing? He was restoring dominion. And if you've come to tell me that only happened in the first century, you've come way too late. Because I've seen God do every one of those things. I've seen God take men's, seven different men's hearts. I've seen God take their hearts and and the doctor's saying there's heart attacks and there's problems and there's blockage and literally give them brand new hearts. I've watched a cancer go away. I've seen God heal. I watched a man who was flatlining and I've got his parents on either side of me praying and all I could pray was, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And about the fifth time I said it, the beep, the beep, the beep, and life came back. I've seen it happen. So you've come too late to tell me it only happened in the first century. Hallelujah. God calls us to be ambassadors. We must operate in faith, not isolate in fear. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And since he's incorruptible, and it's the incorruptible seed we're born again by, then that makes us incorruptible. In fact, Jesus said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. In fact, in that verse I'm referencing, which is Luke 10, 19, he said, on, you, you will tread on serpents and scorpions. Right? Brother Tenney said it this way. He said, serpents bite with their mouth, their head. Scorpions sting with their tails. So heads or tails, we win. Heads or tails, the devil loses. Either way you want to say it, we win, he loses, praise God, right? But watch this. The, the, the English, is, is, it, it makes it sound like it's two different powers. It's not. He, he said, I behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The second power is more meaningful of ability. But the first power is authority. In other words, you have authority over Satan's ability. His ability to distract you. His ability to divide the church. Come on, somebody. His ability to make you feel less than who you are. To question your own identity like he did Eve. Come on. If you'll understand you have authority over that, you will submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So operate in your dominion. The second thing was, the second purpose, and we find from our text, is the presence of God. Look at Genesis 2, verse 8. And verse 15 again, verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So God plants the garden, right? In Eden. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute and and tell you why we can't find that archaeologically. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So the second thing I want to talk about is the presence of God. Dominion number one, presence of God number two. The reason I say that is this, 
in part, Eden means the presence of God. I believe that's why we can't find it on a map. I believe that's why we can't undig some uh, archaeological find and, and discover, oh, this was Eden. Because it was, it was more about the presence of God. It was literal. I'm not taking away from that. There was a literal garden. There was a literal place. There would have been a geographical location. You could have found it with, with coordinates of longitude and latitude. But it no longer exists because of sin. So when they got cast out of the Garden of Eden, they were being cast away from the presence of God. Ah. That presence of God would show up in many different ways. Theophanies throughout the Old Testament. Melchizedek, burning bush, etc. and so forth, right? That would eventually be captured in the tabernacle plan, which points to Jesus Christ. Which would eventually point to the church who is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Pointing to the fact that we can have the presence of God with us all the time. Not just when the praise team is singing. Not just when the preacher's preaching. Not just on Sunday. Are you understanding what I mean? Amen. You see, God's second purpose for men is to be in His presence. Can I tell every man in this building, especially if you're a father and a husband, the best thing you can give your wife and children is to be a man who loves the presence of God. Amen. The more you're in the, I, I told somebody this morning, I said, I don't pray to become a better dad, husband, a pastor. I pray to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if I become more closer to him, all those other things will just fall in line. I'll be a better husband to my wife. I'll, I'll be a better dad to my kids. I'll, I'll be a better pastor. I'll be a better person if I'll just get in the presence of God. Hallelujah. You see, here's the problem, though. <laughs> the pleasures of sin are for a season. It calls them the pleasures of sin. I, okay, I'm, I'm going to blow some of your minds here. Please don't be shocked. Everybody, just, everybody tighten your seatbelt a little bit. You know, make sure your helmet is on really good. You know, fasten the strap. Okay, this is the roller coaster's about to hit a big woohoo. <laughs> okay. Sin can be fun. Hello, right? Well, I, I know, I know I'm supposed to say sin is bad, and it is, and God hates it. I will say that, but it's fun, it's pleasurable. But notice, the scripture says it's the pleasure of sin for a, watch this, put up Psalm 16, verse 11, please. This is what David said, you will show me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures for how long? So watch this. Here's what Adam did. He traded the perpetual presence of God for the temporal taste of the forbidden fruit. Oh, this is so good. And by the time it hit his digestive tract, down into his esophagus and down into his stomach, uh-oh. It was for a season. And he traded the perpetual presence of God for that. 
That's what we have to realize. Oh, yeah, it's pleasurable. Oh, yeah, it's fun. But it's only for a season. But if you'll get into the presence of God, it's fullness of joy and it's pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that we have a problem in our society today? And I fear it's, it's creeping into our churches too. The spirit of entertainment, Salome, is dancing in front of us. And if we're not careful, we're going to be overwhelmed by the spirit of entertainment. And she's going to request that we cut off the head of our prophet. Oh, shut the word. You don't need that. We don't, we don't need that anymore. Let's have entertainment. Oh, come on now. You see, we can, we can binge watch our favorite episodes, but we can't read the Bible more than five minutes. We can love the feel of the music, but we're constantly looking at our watch during the preaching. We can holler and get all excited when the game goes into overtime. Woohoo! Come on, somebody. But if the preacher gets a little long-winded, we're like, okay, preacher, I've got a reservation. You know, it's Father's Day. Come on. We, we devote a few minutes a day to Bible reading and struggle to read it in a year, but we can pick up a novel and just, oh, we can just engrossed in it, and two, months, two weeks later we've finished it and we want to read another one. Beware the spirit of entertainment. It will taint your desire for the genuine presence of God. But all that being said, I am biased and I pastor the best church in the universe. I really do. Just ask me. I'll tell you. I'm, and I'm right. I, I, I've double-checked my stats, and I'm right. And if you like my post when I say that, you'll be blessed too. Amen. <laughs> no, but really, truthfully, here's the thing. I do believe I'm preaching to people today, to men and to women today, who truly instead want to entertain God's presence. Because I've been watching it. I've been seeing it happen. I've watched children come down and, and can't wait to get into the presence of God and worship and pray. I've watched adults come down and elders come down and get into the presence of God. And, and, and I love the feeling of having to kind of, excuse me, pardon me, and bump my way into the altar so I can wave my towel a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. Might take these front rows and put them on the back. We have more room up here. And I might invite the rest of you that want to come down to go ahead and make your way down. You see, I, I believe that, that if our praise team got a little off key, it wouldn't bother you. You wouldn't be disturbed by it. You'd still worship the Lord. I believe if it was a fast or a slow song, you'd still be worshiping God. I, I believe if it was an old or a new song, you'd still be worshiping God wholeheartedly. I, I believe you truly love the preaching and the preacher and will preach with them whenever they're preaching. And I believe that I'm preaching to some saints of God that instead will cut off the head of entertainment and keep the word of God alive in your life. Pause with me for just a minute and consider this. As much as David desired to dwell in the presence of God, we know that from his psalms. We know that from his life. One thing of I desire to the Lord, that will I seek after. We know his desire was to forever be in the presence of God. But watch this. As much as he desired it, God desired David's worship in spirit and in truth. Let me prove it. But the hour comes and now is 
When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. There's something God desires. And it's people that will say, I just want to worship you. It's people that will say, I've had a rough week, but you're still worthy. It's people that will say, I'm going through this or that, but I'm going to lift my hands anyway. It's people that will say, you know what? I may be tired, but you're worthy. And as much as we desire his presence, he desires us to be in his presence. And by the way, notice the hour comes and now is. I feel in my spirit to prophesy a now is word over you today. God has got a now is word coming in your life. Hallelujah. That that you've been praying for. That that you've been asking God about. Now is the time. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Why don't we just pause just a minute and entertain his presence? Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. You're worthy. I give you glory, God. I magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Remember at the beginning I said, mark this moment. We were worshiping, we were kind of wrapping up, getting ready to move into the preaching, and there were people praying and people still dancing and all of that. That's because of what I'm saying right now. If we'll entertain the presence of God rather than seek to be entertained, God will move because that's what he desires. The third thing I want to point out to you real quickly here, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Genesis 2.15, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The word dress here uh, comes from a Hebrew word which means to cultivate, to work, to serve. In other words, God gave Adam a job. It's good that men work. You know, even before the curse. We, we think that the, that the curse for him to toil by the sweat of his brow was, was, was a curse upon him. No, the, the, the curse was actually on the land wasn't really on him per se. It was on the land. He now had to be, remember God planted the garden originally? All he had to do was cultivate it and keep it going. That's just like the fire in the, in the, in the God put the fire there, but the priest had to keep it going. God fills you with the spirit, but you've got to keep yourself full of it. Are you with me? It's the same principle all the way around. Watch this. And so, so now he has to work it. But man, always have been workers. So I, just want, I just want to interject that for just a minute there, men. We're called to work. That's in our DNA. That's in our nature from God. It's in our likeness of God. But while that's true, I do want to draw your attention to the cultivating and working and serving in kind of a general sense for just a minute. How about we cultivate the garden of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Love, joy, peace, etc. How about let's work at being like Jesus, revealing his truth to others? How about let's serve God and serve others wholeheartedly and faithfully? And how about we do all of this every day? You see, Jesus said to them all, if any would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and daily and follow me. For whosoever will Save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Amen. Genesis 2.15, though, has one more word I want you to see. And the Lord God took the man and put him 
into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. I want to focus on the word keep for just a minute here. The word keep has two meanings. I looked it up. It's relevant not only to this message, but to the Word of God, of course, and to all of us today. First, keep means to guard and protect. Certainly, again, God put this gene in men to guard and protect people, to guard and protect their homes, their families, etc. And obviously, it can also mean to protect and guard the garden, keep the, the wolves out, keep the, the you know, uh, weeds out, all those types of things. But it was the second definition that really stood out to me, and it means, the second definition means to never sell out. And I looked that up, Sister Jackie, and I'm like, oh, my word. Part of keep means to have that mentality. I didn't know what the praise team was singing this morning, but it's that, that bridge, I'm not turning back now. I've got a made-up mind. I'm not selling out. And so today, as I, as I preach this and I speak this to you today, I wonder if there are some men who, like Joshua, will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whether you're single or married, whether you're a father or just a man, I wonder if there's some men who can have that bold declaration come upon you. I wonder if there's some Naboths today who will say, I'm not for sale. I'm not, I'm not letting you buy my vineyard, Ahab. I wonder if there's some Nehemiahs among us today who will fast and pray and do the hard work of rebuilding God's wall. I wonder if there are some Stevens in the room today who will remain faithful even if you're falsely accused. I wonder if there's some Epaphrases today who will fervently pray and labor for others. The Barna Group and other reputable research groups have concluded the following statistics based on multiple data points. If a child is the first of his or her family to come in, whether it's a VBS, whether it's a kids revival or just Sunday school bus or whatever, if, if a child comes in, 3.5% of the time that child will bring in daddy and mommy and siblings. That's pretty cool. 3.5, that's, that's pretty good. Well, it jumps if, if mom, wife, mother is the first. If she's the first in the family to be born again and, and come in, then it jumps to 17% that husband, dad, and kids will also come in. But men, I want you to listen to this. And ladies, please don't take offense to this. It's not that you can't have an impact. And, and I want to just pause here and say, I'm standing here today because of the prayers of some faithful women in my life. Besides my wife, my mom has prayed for me. Her mom has prayed for me. Sister Ann Wilkins has prayed for me. Sister Vicki Vernon. I've got a lot of women who have invested and poured into my life. Jackie, you've prayed for me and, and, and been a support to me. And so there's a lot of women who have been that influence. And it doesn't mean you can't have an influence. But when I'm about to share with you blows my mind because kids three and a half percent moms 17 percent but watch this if dad is the first to come in a 93 percent chance that he'll bring his wife and his family with him And so on this morning, I just want to pause and say to every man here, especially you who are already married and already have children, stand up and lead your family. 
It was God's design from the beginning. Long before Barna decided to do any data research. God wants men to lead. That's why I love it when I see men praying and men worshiping. Again, no offense ladies. I love your prayer. I love your worship and together we're all one in Christ. But we need some men to rise up in this generation, in this hour, in this society and say I'm not selling out. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead myself and my family to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's time for men and women to walk in the dominion God gives us, to live daily in His presence, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, and refuse to ever sell out. So, today, I want to ask if all the men, and again, especially our fathers, but married or single, young or old, if you're a man, would you stand and stand if you're willing to buy the truth and sell it not? Where you're standing, all over this room, and if you're online watching and you can stand and maybe pray for your family, here's what I want you to do. Probably your children or wife, if you are married or next to you. And, and again, if you're single, um, there's no doubt people around you that you can pray for. Maybe people whom you have been a part of influence. Here's what I want all the men to do. Our first order of business is let's pray for our families. And let's pray that God would touch our church. Can we do that together right now? Jesus, my wife, my children, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord. God, that you would touch my daughter, my wife. Touch my son today and Jessica, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus for them. Help me to be the father and husband that you want me to be, God. I pray in the name of Jesus for my nephew today. I pray for my niece today, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I pray for my family today, God. I pray for this church today, Lord. I pray for those who don't have a father whose father has passed away. I pray for those who, who struggle. I pray, Lord, for those who, God, they're, they're dealing with difficult situations. I pray in Jesus' name. Oh, God, today, I pray for those who need your peace, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I would like to ask all of the men now, if you would, to come to the front with me, and we're going to pray one for another. All the men, if you would come to the front. But as you're coming, I want to remind or, or tell you something that the Lord reminded me of. I think it was you, Brother Luke, I was talking to with Brother Allie yesterday, Saturday. I think that's who it was when I talked about Grandpa Mowdy. I was with Brother Allie and Brother Luke, and we were going. Come on in, gentlemen. There's more coming. Come on in, if you would. And we were going to plant keys at four more counties in the, in the southeast region of our state. And we just got to talking. I don't know how the, the, the subject came around, but, you know, I began to think about times. Maybe it was the farmhouses I was seeing, Brother Gabe. I don't know. But, but it reminded me of the fact that there were times I could hear something coming from the barn and I'd come around the corner Brother Jeremy and Grandpa Mowdy would be in that barn praying 
he'd got his chores done. And before he's coming in for supper, he's praying. And, he, and he's praying for his family. And he's praying for his children. And he's praying that God would have revival. I also remember the story of Brother Gideon wanting revival. And, and, and he drew a circle around himself and said, Lord, let revival start in the middle of this circle. And revival broke out. People got the Holy Ghost and people got baptized. All because a man prayed. And again, please, I'm not taking away from the prayers of all people. We need all of us to pray. But this is Father's Day. And if we could just focus for a minute on that, I think it's all right that we do that. And so I want us to pray one for another. The brother, the father, the man closest to you, would you just reach over, reach around? And let's pray one for another. God, help us to be godly men that won't sell out. Godly men that will stand for righteousness and truth. Godly men that will uphold the doctrine. Godly men that will pray. Godly men that will serve. Godly men that will lead. Oh, Lord, I pray today that we would raise the standard high. Raise the banner high, Lord. And be the men of God that you've called us to be. God, your purpose is for us to operate in faith and not isolate in fear. And despite the evil in society, you call us to be salt and light, revealing Jesus Christ to this lost world. So use us today, Lord. Use my brothers. Use these men of God, these fathers, these men, these mentors. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to read this to you only because my son just sent it to me here. He says, it's shocking how much of your fingerprint I see on my life. I find myself recalling early childhood memories while I'm doing something. I see in how you lead, how you process, how you think, how I love. You're an amazing father, and you'll be an even better grandpa, but we're not pregnant yet. Ha ha. Thanks a lot, Braxton. But I want to bring it up to say this. I took the picture of Brother Manny and his son up here praying. Made a little post of it here recently that children are great imitators. Let's give them something great to imitate. I saw a post today that was relevant and it had a, a grandpa and he was standing looking at some sort of monument. I think it was a war memorial. and He was like this and his son was like this. Of course, he's, you know, mid 20s. But over here was little Johnny, four or five years old, and he too was standing just like his dad and his grandpa. Men, we lead. Whether we like it or not, we lead. You've heard me quip and joke that, you know, Braxton's a lot like me, and that's in the bad things too. He's got a temper like his dad had a temper. 
know, I wish it weren't the case. But it is because he followed in dad's footsteps. There's a lot of good things too, and I'll let him take all the credit for that because Jesus, you know, but you understand what I'm saying. We lead. We lead by example. So thank you for doing that. We have something special for you. Amen. Thank you, Alicia. Yeah, don't forget to get pictures taken. Jeremy, can you help me? I hand these out here. I'll take a few over there, and if you just kind of start walking this way. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do the men first here, and if we got enough left over, some of these young boys might get some, but amen. Dads, here we go. There's, there's one, two, three there. All right. There you go. Thank you, Brother Luke, for helping as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Anybody else over here need some? We still have a few back there. Everybody getting them up? Amen. got one? All right, all the men? Okay. There's some back there. All right. You got one too, buddy? Okay. All right. I'm not taking three. I'm just going to take one. You're going to help us out too? All right. All right. I think we got enough now. Some of these younger men can have one as well. All right. There you go, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. As we bring this service to a close today, I'm going to ask if we could all just lift our hands and thank God because on this Father's Day He's our everlasting Father He's a good Father and the Bible says to begin our prayer by praying our Father in other words we're all His children so can we wish God a happy Father's Day and thank Him Jesus I love you so much. I wouldn't be here without you, God. Thank you for being my father, for loving me, for saving me, for healing me, for delivering me, for calling me. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we thank the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. As you see often, we're not dismissed, we're deployed. Amen. We're going to get one big picture. Oh, don't forget if you want pictures, Brother Collins said he will help. If you want to get special pictures taken, he's going to be out here. So bring your family, your children, whatever. God bless you in Jesus' name.